welcome to the City Road Podcast. Join us on City Road as we travel along the frontiers of urban and housing research. Follow us on Apple Podcast and find out more about the show at cityroadpod.org. There's been a lot of stories in the news lately about foreign investment in the Australian housing market, and it's mostly about Chinese investment. In fact, you could be forgiven for thinking the Chinese are the only foreign investors buying up apartments in cities like Sydney and Melbourne. In this episode of City Road Podcast, we talk to PhD candidate Sha Lu, who's been digging in the available data, and she's found it's patchy at best. Charlu, welcome to the show. My pleasure, thank you. Why don't we start by you telling us how you came to be interested in the foreign real estate investment question in Australia and indeed how you came to Australia to study. Mm, yeah, um, I came to Australia in 2010 and because my husband did his PhD in Perth, so we first located in Perth. And, and I, I, during that time, I heard a lot of things about mining uh, instead of uh, real estate investment at that time in Perth. But in 2014, I came to Sydney and uh, I started my research in Sydney. And But it's quite different in Sydney. People are talking about Chinese foreign investment in real estate instead of mining. So uh, I just wondering why is that true? That, that are there so many Chinese investors come here to do uh, housing investment and uh, what what's the reasons for them to come to Australia's market? So I'm quite interested to find out the truth and uh, also I want to see the impacts to the local market uh, housing market. And it's uh, can we get some implications for for the local planners etc. So so let's start off with the what do we know about Chinese investment? Is there a lot of Chinese investment coming into Australia? I think so, because from my current study, we've got some figures to support the argument mm. that uh, since 2011 to now, Chinese foreign investment just uh, uh, increased dramatically. Like during the last financial year, the investment amount was over eight times than the amount in 2011. So it's just uh, increased so much during yep. the past five years. Okay, so you're mm. looking at a graph there, and we'll put that graph up on our website. But can yeah, you just sure. talk us through that graph? Uh, yep, and um, I, I think the not only Chinese foreign investment in Australia housing real estate increased so greatly, uh, but also you can from the graph you can see uh, the investment from all countries also increased. Greatly, but we have to admit that the investment from China increased the the, the fastest uh, among all the countries. Like in 2011, the percentage of Chinese investment over the total investment in from all countries just accounted for 7.1 percentage. But during last two financial years, the percentage accounted for like one quarter of foreign investment in real estate sector are from China. So you can see. Chinese foreign investment in Australia. It's growing fastest mm. among all the countries. So we have Chinese foreign real estate investment growing, mm -hmm. but we also have foreign real estate investment growing from other countries. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. And that graph seems to indicate that we have the other countries are growing 
quite substantially as well. So who are those other countries? Um, uh, if, if you look at the, the annual reports from the Foreign Investment Review Board, you can see a lot of investment from Singapore, Malaysia, and uh, also Canada, US. I think US always uh, is the second largest foreign investment and a country in real estate sector. Mm. You also mentioned there uh, a relationship or a, a correlation between declining mining investment and increasing foreign investment or a declining mining sector and mm-hmm. increasing foreign investment in real estate. What is that relationship? What's going on there? Mm, um, I, I think in terms of China's foreign investment in Australia, we can see the very obvious uh, trend. Uh, the capitals from China shifted from uh, mining sector to real estate in, uh, sectors. Uh, you can see another graph. We can see another graph that from 2010, uh, 29 to 2010 financial years, at that time, Chinese capitals were invested most in mining sector. It accounted like 75% of the total investment of uh, went to the mining sector. At that time, the capital to real estate sector only accounted to 15%. But the trend just, uh, uh, the, the figures just uh, seems reversed in the last financial years. And uh, the investment to real estate sectors uh, from China ac- accounted for 67 percentage, while the percentage in mining sector only remained 3.4 percentage. So you can see the huge decline from mining sector, the investment from mining uh, into mining sector, yeah. and uh, the huge increase in uh, in real estate sector. Mm. Yeah. So that. It tells us that the real estate sector, both the commercial and residential, probably is Mm -hmm. connected to broader global geopolitical forces and the the global market. Um, Do you have any data that separates out commercial real estate and residential real estate? Because they're quite different, aren't they? Yes, I think they're they're totally different. But uh, I think uh, we do have the total data that all the countries invested in commercial sector and the real estate sector, but we can't see which country invest how much money to commercial and or residential sector. And is that because the data is so difficult to deal with? I found that in my projects. What do you found right. with, the, with the foreign real estate investment data? How difficult is it to work with? Right, exactly. It's like it's like you you know the basically my data is from the uh, foreign investment review board and the annual reports. I just summarize those data and uh, to do my analysis. Also, I interview people, so I do a qu- qualitative studies and to get their opinion of views. Since you are a expert of foreign investment uh, analysis, and you can you also feel the difficulty to get the data, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been very difficult. And I guess there's kind of two data sources here. There's mm-hmm. the government data sources, and so there are things like the Foreign Investment Review Board. And then, of course, industry has different types of data as well. Some of mm-hmm. the data they'll give to us, some of the data they won't give to us. Mm-hmm. Some of that data is reliable, some of it is quite constrained exactly. to the own machinations of their business. So I think the politics of the data here is very important. It's an important context for this whole discussion, really, that we don't yeah. really know what's happening, particularly in terms of the global capital flows. And that goes down to the individual do- dwelling itself. We don't yep. know what's happening in particular neighbourhoods or, or particular uh, developments itself. So I think yeah. that that's, a, that's an important context. Yeah, that's a big barrier for <laughs> research right now, yeah. So what about what do we know about Chinese investors? Why do they find Australian real estate so attractive? 
I I think um, there are many factors that push Chinese investors out of China and also pull also some factors uh, from Australia that pull Chinese investor to this market. So if we just first talk about why Chinese investors go out of China, and I think there are a number of reasons to push them out. Just uh, the from my research, I think the most important reasons to just uh, encourage them to do our outbound investment is the domestic changing housing policies in China. Can you talk us through that in a bit of detail? Oh yes, sure. And I think uh, because as as everyone knows that uh, due to the housing affordability problem in China, uh, the Chinese government issued a series of intervention policies in China's domestic housing market, and in particular in 2011, uh, the 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 a policy called purchase restriction. Uh, enacted in 46 large Chinese cities widely, and which means the government just prevents residents to purchase more than two units in the restrictive cities. As you can see, investors, they, they do have money, right? And But they don't have ways to invest their money, and they are no longer allowed to invest their money in the real estate sectors in those 46 large cities, which has the most promising um, real estate market in China. So uh, this measure, uh, uh, on the one hand, they just arrested the high inflation rate in Chinese housing market, but on the other hand, it seems to push a lot of investors out of the domestic market. And uh, this, I think this is one important reasons that, it's a direct reasons that a lot of investors try to seek alternative investment opportunities elsewhere in the global real estate market. Yep. We'll talk about the pull factors in a second. Is there anything else? What about the security of the real estate market itself or the or the leaving your money in China? Is that an issue? Um, I think the importance of asset diversification. Uh, a, a lot of people just uh, aware of the importance of asset diversification. So the a lot of wealthy and uh, upper middle class Chinese, especially from the first tier Chinese city, I mean, the, from Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou and Shenzhen and also the coastal Chinese cities, they do have a lot of information from outside world. They know that property markets in a lot of Western countries are more attractive than than in uh, in China. And uh, just for example, I, I do have the figures that um, in last year, the average house price in Sydney uh, was about less than 1 million. It's 910,000 Australia dollars. But at the same time, do you know the figures for housing in Beijing and Shanghai? If you want to buy a 100 square meters apartment in Beijing and Shanghai, the price is more expensive than the house in Sydney. Yeah, so investment rental yield is much you, you know, it's much yeah. lower than So investment. Well, we're complaining yeah. about how expensive the houses are in Sydney. We have foreign mm. investors looking at them saying, wow, look how cheap a house is in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> is that the bottom line of what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, for uh, people it, li- living in those cities, they just feel, oh, housing in, especially, they just feel, not only Sydney, but Melbourne and uh, Brisbane, they just feel, they said, oh, housing over there was so cheap. Uh, compared with the housing in Chinese first-tier cities. Mm. And especially before April last year, the local banks can lend money to those investors. They can on, they only need to pay for the down payment. So let's talk about those banks. You can no longer borrow money in China to invest 
overseas, can you? So how do, uh, might investors get around that? Uh, at the beginning of this year, Chinese government just restrict all the banks from China to lend money to investors investing in the real estate properties, uh, real estate market. So there's no way for Chinese uh, investors to get money from the banks from China. And uh, as we just mentioned, from April last year, uh, local banks in Australia are also stop lending to the foreign income buyers. So uh, that's a big problem that a lot of investors, they have to pay the whole property price by, all by themselves. Mm. But as far as we know that there are still some small in, uh, financial institutions in Australia, they are still pre- they can still lend money to those investors, but the down payment, the percentage of down payment is much higher, and also the interest rate is much higher to uh, compare with the, the, the interest rate to local buyers. And in addition, we also heard about that the banks from the third part, the third countries, like in Singapore, they prefer lending the, the lending the money to Chinese investors. If you just uh, deposit some money in their branch in China, they are happy to lend money f- to support your investment in so Australia. These intermediary banks that are countries that sit in the middle. So you deposit your money in a bank from an, a third country yes. to get it into Australian real estate. That's that's very interesting. So yeah. we have the local housing market and we have local housing policy. We have credit and capital restrictions as things that might be pushing people or stopping them in some cases from getting capital out of China. What are the pull factors in Australia? Mm. I think pull factors includes just like the very traditional ones everyone knows, like the future immigration uh, opportunities and the future uh, education opportunities. A lot of potential new immigrants, they plan to move to Australia, they may purchase the housing in advance before they make the immigration application. And also a lot of wealthy parents, they want to send their kids to study in Australia. So instead of uh, renting a place for their kids, they just prefer like uh, investing in property in Australia to let their kids to stay in when they are studying in Australia. So I think that's a very traditional ones. And uh, also a small number of people, they purchase some very luxurious housing with beautiful views in Australia for the short-term holiday homes. But the, I think they're quite, it's a different uh, group of um, Chinese buyers. They are just like the very wealthy Chinese investors. Mm. So, uh, like- so we have migration as a temporary thing to do with education. We mm-hmm. might have future migration plan, so buying a house now that you might migrate to when you retire. Mm-hmm. And then we have a whole bunch of financial or family planning that goes into this as well. So it sounds very complex, the motivations yeah. that would drive a foreign investor to invest in Australian real estate. So yes. who are these investors? Are, are they different? Is every foreign investor from China the same or what, what separates them? Oh, I, I think they are kind of, we can, from our research, I think we can just uh, categorize them into different groups. Uh, those investors, we can give you a, a very basic image about them. I think uh, th- those investors include the new immigrants and inter- or, and international students, and the other one is the PU investors from China. And most of them are 
from the first tier Chinese cities, as we as I mentioned before, is from Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen, because housing there over there are very expensive already, and uh, the also the coastal areas of China and the uh, coastal area because the in those cities housing is also very expensive and those investors include both high net worth individuals and they are very wealthy and also the middle class chinese so we can just uh, basically categorize the investors into yeah. those kind of how would we define what what would make a high net worth individual um, I think high net worth individuals are very, very wealthy. And according to your figure, they have the investment assets per person, 1.5 million US dollars per person. Mm-hmm. They have the investment assets like that this amount. Mm. And uh, as for the upper middle class, uh, they do have like uh, their investment assets ranging from 92,000 to 930,000. US dollars mm. per person. Do we know how these different groups might interact or impact on local communities, local suburbs, Australia in general? Mm-hmm. Do we know? Do we have any data on that? Uh, I, I I don't think we have exact the quantitative data for those groups, but mm. I do interviews people, and I thought that since 2011, just the purchase restriction uh, policy enacted in China, a lot of middle-class and wealthy Chinese investors come to Australia. But the products they prefer are different. Like mm. for for example, the very su- super rich Chinese, they prefer very luxurious housing with very beautiful views. So generally, they bought very expensive housing in the best location in, in Sydney or in other countries close to the landmarks or something. When they they just come to Australia for maybe stay for a, a couple of months each year and will leave the the properties for a week vacant when they are away because they they don't care about the rental so they just want their properties uh, in a good condition. Well, the middle class Chinese they are kind of have a different ideas about their investment. Generally, they prefer apartments more than houses because apartments are closer to the public transportation and it's it's more accessible for them and also the down payment of the apartment is much cheaper than that of the, the down payment of the housing mm-hmm. so it's more affordable for them and uh, they prefer renting those properties out uh, for some rental returns because so, they- so if we think through the implications of that if we have a lot of middle class foreign buyers buying properties either living in them or renting them out then mm-hmm. that will have one type of effect in the city. It'll be at least increasing the rental supply in some cases. And if we have another group of uh, perhaps super rich investors that are buying large homes and not renting them out and not living in them, mm-hmm. then that will have a different impact on the city. So I guess we don't have data on this yet, but an interesting site for doing more research is to work out, well, what are the different impacts that these different groups of people might have on our cities? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think because their behaviors are quite different. I think the middle class Chinese, they they just purchase a lot of new apartments. That That is the way that found a lot of new supply in Australia housing market. Mm. But for the wealthy Chinese, they 
they just like uh, it's a it's a the very luxurious housing. But I think the percentage of that that amount is is quite small. Yeah, Shah, you've come to Australia to do a PhD, and you obviously hear in the news over and over again that Chinese investors are forcing Aussies out of the housing market. How does that make you feel as a Chinese person? Uh, as a Chinese person, I don't think a Chinese investors price out the local uh, residents. I think the media just exaggerate the fact too much. And from my, uh, that's why I, maybe that's the one reason I want to know the truth about the Chinese foreign investment in Australia. So I come to my current research. I just want to see how much percent of Chinese investment really invested in Australia housing market, and uh, what's the reasons for Chinese investors come to this market. Market and also the impacts to Australia market. So I just so your, feel your response has been a very rational one to find out what is going <laughs> on here. <laughs> yeah, I just want to find the truth. I don't believe the media's uh, news. I think just it's just exaggerated too much, and they just uh, talk about the individual transactions, which are very extreme examples, but cannot represent the overall Chinese investment in Australia housing market. And also because after I finished my master's degree in the UK, I went back to China and uh, I worked in the real estate consulting companies for over about five years. So I'm kind of very interested in for uh, in real estate stuff and very sensitive about this topic. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I heard a lot of Chinese foreign investment and I think, okay, maybe it's not the, the case yeah. and uh, we just need to know more about that the underlying drivers mm-hmm. to encouraging chi- encourage Chinese inve- investors to come to this market and how much money exactly Chinese investors invested in Australia housing market. Mm. It's yeah. very interesting because housing, as you describe it then, can be a very rigorous, rational process where we can work out exactly how much capital and how many people, but also it's a very emotive space housing as well. I think that that's part of the reason why people get so uptight about Chinese investment, because it's not just an economic process. Housing is connected so tightly to who we think we are as Australians, as Chinese. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as you're also doing research in a foreign real estate investment, so what's your opinion about Chinese foreign investment? Do you think it's linked to the kind of multicultural thing or re-season stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that's a very interesting thing as an Australian looking at this issue is thinking about our very long history of housing, well, housing discrimination in general, but also there is a long history of marginalising Chinese people in their relationships first to land and then to housing. Of course, this is the second Asian, in inverted commas, Asian real estate investment crisis Mm -hmm. we've had. So I think there absolutely are some cultural and multicultural drivers to this. And I think that the intersection of our work with you looking at the stats and the planning regulations and maybe some of my work that's looking at maybe some of these cultural and perhaps even racist drivers of Mm -hmm. the debate is probably a good intersection of of our work. Mm, But anyway, we might leave it there. So thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. It's my great pleasure. Thanks. So that's it for this week. But remember, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review via our iTunes podcast site. Just hit the subscribe link on our website at cityroadpod.org.